Asia's Desert Diaries. Hello, Arizona calling, and I'm talking to you from a forest, an actual forest, the Tonto National Forest to be precise, which is, despite being nearly three million acres, only the seventh largest forest in the States. There's a spectacular range of landscapes here, from rocky outcrops to cacti-filled desert and dense pine forests, which I'm sitting in right now. You can probably hear the road noise. It's not that far away from a road, but literally, I could be miles and miles from civilization because all I can see are trees and trees and trees. It's been a week this week that's been wonderful and really, really tough in equal measure. So let's start with the wonderful A. This week, as it was fall break or autumn half term, as I've called it for most of my life, we decided to hit the open road, renting an RV, which I already really don't want to give back, from a local couple and we headed north on Monday night. Our first stop was Flagstaff, a high elevation university town a couple of hours north of Phoenix, where we stayed in a lovely wooded camp right next to a mountain. Taking the dog out for a late night stomp around, she went berserk, nearly pulling me over, chasing some animal, which I then saw by the light of the moon, was a skunk. Our first skunk sighting in the wild. The next day on a hike, we spotted a beautiful little reptile on the path, which the nine-year-old told us was an Arizona thorny lizard, which is unique, she said excitedly, because they can squirt blood out of their eyes when they feel threatened. Oh, good. (laughs) A couple of hours further north in a startlingly different landscape full of vast plains and red rocks, we arrived in Page, a small town that acts as a gateway to exploring absolutely breathtaking areas like the north rim of the Grand Canyon and Antelope Canyon, Glen Canyon and Lake Powell as well, really close to the Utah border. It's also just a couple of hours from Monument Valley, famous for its huge sandstone towers, which I'm sure you've seen in many a western Really sadly, most of these areas are closed to tourism right now as they're all on Navajo land and the Navajo people have found themselves horribly and disproportionately affected by COVID-19. Once it's safe to visit, we'll certainly be back. One place we did manage to see was the utterly breathtaking Horseshoe Bend, a geological phenomena created by the Colorado River as it snakes its way through the Grand Canyon, resulting in a bend that's shaped, well, like a horseshoe. Look out for it on the Northern Arizona Story Collection on Instagram at Sam Walker Radio or on the Facebook page at facebook.com see you in the desert. I'll get a load of snaps on there for you very, very soon indeed. The next day we drove east a few hours across vast empty landscapes, up mountains, past giant boulders, mostly across reservation land. The Navajo Nation covers more than 17 million acres in Arizona, Utah and New Mexico. Whilst a lot of the Navajo people in these areas do live in towns and small communities, many live in really remote areas without running water or phones or even electricity. It's completely extraordinary to drive through settlements that look like they're from another time, let alone another place. Sometimes you'll see a tiny dot of a house right in the distance, dwarfed by enormous mountains, and just wonder, who lives there? So completely isolated. I've read that people can't afford to buy their own homes on reservation land as it's officially held in trust by the US government, so they can't get a mortgage, which certainly explains a lot of the very basic levels of housing I saw, which 
again seems extraordinary when major cities like Phoenix are just a couple of hours away with mirror-clad skyscrapers and huge infrastructure. I'm ashamed to say I don't know much about how the reservation system works in the United States in terms of self-governance or autonomy. There were plenty of political posters along the side of the roadway as we drove through the various tiny towns, most of them supporting Democratic candidates. But I've also read that whilst federal law enforcement, like the FBI, do investigate crimes when required, local or state police have no authority on many reservations. The taxation system's also different. Again, my knowledge is severely lacking here, but fueling up on reservation land costs us $1.89, less than £1.50 a gallon. I'm certainly going to read up a lot more. We rolled into our next campground in Holbrook, where we made s'mores and played card games in the light of our campfire. I do love RV life. I love blowing from place to place, discovering new landscapes and towns and cultures and communities along the way. I love how once you reach camp, everyone's welcoming and friendly, eager to hear the story of your journey and share theirs. I love how quickly you forget, quote, real life. I haven't scrolled through Twitter once since we've been away. I've barely glanced at the news. There's something about travelling in this way that de-stresses you in a way that staying in hotels or motels just can't. As I said, I love it. I really want to find a way to take a chunk of time out to explore this way of life a bit further. One day. The next day we drove to the Petrified Forest, a national park less than an hour from the New Mexico border. It's just a wonder of a place, from the crystal forest made up of thousands of 300 million year old trees, mainly conifers, that look like trees, but they're petrified wood, wood that's turned to stone and crystal over millions of years. It's just awesome to see. There's the painted desert, badlands covered in rocky mounds in every colour you can imagine, stretching for miles. An area called the teepees where rocks are formed in hundreds of feet high triangular shaped mounds. It's just so beautiful. It's like nothing I've ever seen. Another couple of hours drive, this time west, and here I am, sitting at a picnic table next to a campfire near our RV, all amongst pine trees, and honestly... I'm feeling a lot of things. I'm really grateful to have had the most brilliant few days with my family. Away from screens, in all types of nature and beauty and history, making food outdoors, sitting around campfires, breathing in the clear air. But this is, I suppose, where I tell you about the tough part of this week. COVID-19 has, of course, had a huge impact on all of us. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, and I'm sure it's kept you apart from people you love. I'm not sure if I've really made this point before, but right now I can't leave America, even if I wanted to. Well, I could leave and be repatriated back to the UK, but we'd have to leave for good, because America has closed its borders to Europe. It's not a case of quarantining for a couple of weeks or self-isolating in advance. You simply cannot come to America unless you're a citizen or a permanent resident, of which I'm neither. So, my dad can't get to me, and I can't get to my dad, unless I leave the States for good. Now, I've known this since March, but I think it's only in this last week that people have started talking about it being at least another six months, when back in March, people reckoned, oh, it'll all be over by August. Watching so much of England go back into lockdown this past week, well... It's been really tough to watch. But unfortunately, that's not the whole story. My mum, as you know, is in Australia. 
my terminally ill mum who lives alone in a city where she doesn't know anyone. And Western Australia has closed not just its international borders, but its state border too. I've looked into trying to get to her should I need to, and I'd need to apply for a compassionate permission to travel, and if I was accepted, I'd not only need to isolate for two weeks at the point of entry, which would be Sydney, but then also isolate for two weeks when I reach Perth. So that's a whole month after I left home before I could actually see her. And then, well, again, I couldn't get back. And this week, the Australian Prime Minister announced the country would be closed for any international travel between the US, Europe and Australia until 2022. Yeah, 2022. I'm not really allowing myself to process what that means right now. But it doesn't feel good. I'd be lying if I said I hadn't spent some time this week thinking... Should we have come here? Should we go back? But who on earth could have predicted what's happened this year? If I'd stayed in Manchester, I still wouldn't be able to get to my mum and I would have spent most of the year away from my dad too, as thousands and thousands of families who live in the same town have had to do. My friend's mum's in a care home. She's not been allowed to see her. She's expecting she'll never see her again. Life is so hard wherever you find yourself. But the toughness of this week really culminated in some devastating news from the UK, from my wonderful, brilliant friend Emma Goswell. A name I'm sure you'll know if you're a listener to BBC Radio Manchester. A friend I've had for more than 15 years. A friend who shared a house with me, holidayed with me, we've built a podcast and a book together, Coming Out Stories. A friend who a few months ago, in an incredible act of selflessness, quit her jobs in radio to go and care for her sister Abigail in Wales who was living with stage 4 breast cancer. A friend who yesterday had to call an ambulance as her sister was in so much pain but then wasn't allowed to go with her because of regulations around Covid and had to wait until the morning to call the hospital. A friend who was then told her only sister had died without her family around her. So, Abigail Goswell. I'm looking at the sky... And I'm raising a glass to you now. You were a warrior. You were a spectacular sister. And you were very loved. You'll be so missed. This one's for you. (laughs) 